Hey, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Tree of Life Church podcast. It's our prayer that these messages help connect you to the life, love, and power of Jesus. All right, um, <clears throat> I wanna pray, but again, uh, we're gonna pray for our pastors and then we're gonna pray for, uh, for our service uh, today. Um, Father, we thank you for your presence in this room. God, your anointing is here. Your power is here. And we believe that you're gonna do something amazing today. God, we don't trust in our own abilities, but we trust in the power of your Holy Spirit. I thank you. I thank you that you are moving in this room. You're moving on hearts. You're moving on lives. That you're moving on relationships. That you are working miracles in this room. The power is not on my words. The power is not on the music. The power is not on our greeters or ushers out there, but the power is in your Holy Spirit. It's in your anointing. And so your anointing is on the message. Your anointing was on the worship. Your anointing was on the greeters and the ushers. And Father, we believe that you are going to do something supernatural in this room. Thank you for showing up today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. We're going to kick off, continue uh, to uh, in our pastor's uh, series, uh, Take a Step. We're going to be closing out that series today. Take a step, take a step. Last week, um, you probably saw uh, the troughs out at each one of the doors with some rocks. If you didn't get a chance to get a rock, um, we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. And you don't know what the rocks mean. It's like, why is there a bunch of rocks here in the front of the, it's not decoration. That would be kind of a bad decoration. Um, <laughs> but grab one of those rocks and we'll talk about it here in a moment. Listen back to Pastor's uh, message last Sunday. And you'll kind of know where it came, came from. He started off this series talking about stepping out. <clears throat> and then he continued on in the next week talking about stepping in. And then last week he talked about altars. And wasn't that a great message last week? If you were here. Amazing message. He talked about altars. And the whole purpose of this message is to get us to take another step closer towards God. The writer says this uh, in James 4, verse 8. He says, when you draw closer to him, when you take a step closer to him, he draws closer to you. The whole purpose of this series, the whole purpose of our messages is to get you to take a step closer to God. Pastor Don was talking, he said, along our journey, there are stones in our lives. There are things that we face, there are things that we experience, things that we go through. There are stones in our lives along our journey. And he tells us that we're supposed to take these stones and build an altar. Oh, I was wondering if they had took it off already. Take these stones and build an altar. Anybody remember that from last week? And he talked about addiction and he talked about marriage and our future and sin and finances. All of those things that we, that we experience, those obstacles that we face along our journey. He said, take those stones and build an altar. What's an altar? An altar is simply a reminder of God's faithfulness. It's something that reminds us that God did something in our life. You know, Abraham 
took his son Isaac up to this mountain because he believed that God told him that he was supposed to sacrifice his son Isaac. And then he gets up to the mountain, and then long story short, he looks back, and there's a ram there in the, in the bush. And God says, I don't want you to sacrifice your son. I just wanted to see if you were going to be obedient. Here's your sacrifice. And Abraham did something in that moment. He called God Jehovah Jireh. He called that place where God provided this ram, where God provided this thing for him. He said, this is Jehovah Jireh. You are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. That's what an altar does. It reminds us of God's faithfulness. And so every time that Abraham would come to this place where he was supposed to sacrifice Isaac and God prepared a sacrifice for him, he was reminded that God is the one who provides. What does your altar look like? What does your altar look like? What does it look like? What is that thing that reminds you that God showed up for you in your life? What is it that reminds you that God was faithful? He said, along our journey, Pastor Don said, along our journey, there is joy. In Psalms 1611, this is the scripture that he gave us. He says, you make known to me the path of life. Look at this. You will fill me with joy. Where? In your presence. The joy comes in the presence of God. You can almost say that in order for me to receive the fullness of joy, I have to live my life in his presence. You can't find true joy apart from the presence of God. True joy comes in the presence of God. That's why it's important that we're, we're in, along our journey that we don't just ask God to just, hey, I just need you to, to, to come with me this time, but this next time, no, I don't need you to come with me. I need you to just be, be, I need to do my own thing here. No, we're supposed to walk along our journey in the presence of God. And when we stay in his presence, he promised us here in Psalm 1611 that he would fill us with joy. When we're in his presence, we find a fullness of joy. Our path of life should be in God's presence. That's what matters most in our life. It's not the blessings. It's his presence. It's not even the joy. It's his presence. It's not the peace that we're looking for. It's the presence of God. You want to see change in your life? Stay in his presence. You want to see your marriage revolutionized? Stay in his presence. You want to see deliverance and breakthrough? Stay in his presence. And he gave us this definition of joy. He said it's the fullness of contentment. It's the fullness of contentment. And here's what, here's what, what we believe, that contentment is not Contentment is not just, it's not a feeling. Contentment is a decision. I don't feel content. I decide to be content. I decide that I'm okay where I am right now. That if, if you, you heard this when you were growing up, that God's done so much for me, if he never does another thing, he's already done enough. That's contentment. 
that if he never does, gives me another blessing, he's already done. I'm content with where I am right now. You know, those three Hebrew boys had made a choice and a decision of contentment. When they were in their fire, in that fire, they said, I know who my God is, but if he doesn't show up, I know that he's still able. That's contentment. Because I've seen him do it before. If he doesn't show up, it's okay. I'm still content because I know that he's able. It's not that he wasn't able. Contentment is not a feeling. Contentment is a decision. He said, along our journey, there's peace. Along our journey, he said, there's church. Church is on your journey. And then along our journey, I, I, I wrote this down in my notes, that there is restoration. We find restoration along our journey. And I may come back to that before we end. But one of the things that Pastor Don said over the, the, the course of this series, that every time he said it, it really just hit my heart. He said, along our path with God, there's obstacles. Along our path with God, there is trouble. And see, this is the one thing that we don't want to talk about. The trouble, the obstacles that we face. This is the one thing that we don't like to talk about. Because we feel as though life is supposed to get easier when we follow Jesus. Can I tell you, that's the furthest from the truth. It doesn't get easier when we follow Jesus. And I'm sorry, if, you have, if you're not following Jesus right now, <laughs> I'm going to give you an opportunity in the end. I don't want to scare you away. What? It's going to get hard? Oh, Let me check out right now. No. It doesn't get easier, but it gets more rewarding. You remember growing up, there was this song, <clears throat> it was a theme song uh, for Toys R Us. Remember the song? It said, I don't want to grow up because I'm a Toys R Us kid. I don't want to grow up. You remember being a kid and you used to be like, man, I can't wait till I get 21. I can't wait till I grow up and I'm out on my own. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I can live how I want to live. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. When I grow up, and now all of us that said that, like, I wish I was a kid again. <laughs> I wish I was a kid again. Oh, what I wouldn't give to walk around the house and just turn on every light in the house. Open up the refrigerator and just stand like this and looking <laughs> with the refrigerator wide open. Oh, what I wouldn't give to wake up in the morning without pain. You remember those days? <laughs> you remember those days? See, when you were a kid and you injured yourself, you, it was, I fell off my bike. I fell out of a tree. I skipped my knee. Those was the injuries. Then you get older and it's like, well, how'd you hurt yourself? I sneezed too hard. It's like, <laughs> like what? You wake up with a different like pain in your back just because of how you slept. Like it's like going to sleep brings injury. Where they do that at? <laughs> oh, what I wouldn't give to be a kid again. It's just like life. It doesn't get easier growing up. 
Life doesn't get easier when we accept Christ. But it gets more rewarding. Look at this. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 13 through 14. He says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. Y'all remember that song by ACDC? That just made me think of that. <laughs> That's the worst song ever. <laughs> the lyrics of that song, can you, you, do you like, Sometimes you just got to pay attention to the words that you say. And you can say, oh, it's just music. No, there's power in your tongue. That's, that's a whole nother message. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. Look at that key word there, choose that way. But the gateway to life is a very narrow and the road is what? Difficult. The gateway to life, the path to life, the journey in our walk with Christ is not an easy one. It's difficult. And there are a few that choose that way because a lot of us just want the easy way out. We want the path of least resistance. We want to take the easy way out. But Pastor Don says that he said this, he says, God's path leads to God's promise. The path that you choose, it's up to you. God doesn't force you to take a path. Whether you choose the wide path or whether you choose the narrow path, listen, it's your decision. It's your decision. He said along our journey, there's obstacles. Along our journey, there's trouble. Look at what Jesus said. He said it this way in John 16, He said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, along your journey, you will have trouble. Wow, Jesus said that. It ain't my opinion. Those words is in red. That's Jesus talking. Along your journey, there is, there will be trouble. There will be obstacles. But then he said this, take heart, have courage. Don't be afraid. Why? Because I have already overcome the trouble. I have already overcome the obstacles. I have already overcome the world. You think the enemy is going to take it easy on you? Do you think he's just going to let you take a step towards God and not place some kind of hindrance in your life? Do you think he's not going to stop you from drawing closer to the Father? Do you think that he's not going to put some kind of obstacle when you make a decision to start serving? That he's not going to put something in, in there that says, oh man, I'm just too busy. My schedule, it just, it just doesn't work. I want it to, but I got a flat tire like Pastor Cody said earlier. Do you think he's just going to make it easy? You haven't been serving, and now that you take a step, boom, an obstacle happens. You think the enemy's just going to let you take a step towards God? You haven't been giving. You haven't been tithing. And now you say, I'm going to make the decision to start giving. I'm going to make the decision and take this step to start tithing. And then the washer breaks. You think the enemy's not going to put some kind of roadblock, some kind of hindrance to push you away from making that decision to take a step towards God. If he did it to Jesus, why wouldn't he do it to you? 
Jesus took this moment, he got baptized by John, and then it says immediately after he got baptized by John, the Holy Spirit came down and descended on him like a dove. He said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, and then the Holy Spirit led him into trouble. The Holy Spirit did it. He led him into the wilderness for the purpose of being tempted by the enemy. That was the beginning of his path, the beginning of his ministerial journey. Do you think that the enemy tried to take it easy on him? So why would he try to take it easy on you? You take a step towards him, the enemy is going to put a roadblock there. You know, I feel like as Christians, we just, and I hope nobody gets offended by this. Please don't get offended. Hear my heart in this. Don't send Pastor Don a message, email and say that that I hurt your feelings. I'm sorry. I'm telling you sorry right now. I feel like as Christians, we've just become weak. You remember some of you that grew up in the hood? Like you ain't never, you ain't let nobody talk to you any kind of way. You didn't let nobody hit you without hitting them back. Remember that song, was it Digital Underground, Hit Me and I Hit You Back? <laughs> well, then you remember that song. I know you do. <laughs> well, then from Nolens. You didn't let nobody just hit you and you, you ain't hit them back. Remember as kids, we used to play the game where, and I don't forget what we called it, but you would see who could hit each other the hardest. Like, they hit you and it was like, okay, it's my turn. And then you hit them back and you try to hit them harder and it was like, ooh, okay, it's my turn now. And then you hit them too hard and they start crying and you're like, oh, oh, sorry, sorry. You're trying to get them to be quiet so mama don't get you. It's like, shh, shh, shh. I'll give you some candy. I'll give you some, shh, shh. Don't tell mom. We've let the enemy hit us for too long. We've let the enemy slow us down for too long. We've let the enemy hinder our walk with God for too long. We've let the enemy hinder us from, fulfill, from, from fulfilling God's call on our lives for too long. It's time for us to hit back. It's time for us to fight back. You know what the enemy's punches look like? Fear. Inadequacy. They want me to serve over there. I don't, I ain't never been around kids. Like, I don't even like kids, and you want me to serve over here? I barely even like my own kids, and you want me to, I love them, but I don't like them all the time. Insecurity, that's what the enemy punches looks like. It's time for us to stop taking it and respond. That's where my message came from today. It's my turn now. You hit me too long, it's my turn now. Oh, that punch on my marriage, that hurt. <laughs> but it's my turn now. Is it my turn? You ready? Remember that? Uh, <laughs> I keep getting all of this stuff. Why I order? You remember that? <laughs> I don't know where that came from. It's just, if you're before the 2000s, you know what that, that means. If you're after the 2000s, it's like, pull up. <laughs> it's time for us to fight back. Let's take a look at a story of a man who knows something about 
taking a step towards an obstacle and not away from it. And I actually brought my Bible today. I'm, I'm official. I brought my real paper Bible today. <laughs> First Samuel chapter 17. It starts where I'm going to start, and, and there's some of these scriptures I did not give the team. And I encourage you to read this on, on your own. <clears throat> but in 1 Samuel 17, it's a very familiar passage of scripture, a very familiar story. And if you don't know what the story is, I encourage you to go back and read it in 1 Samuel 17. It's the story of David and Goliath. And David, <clears throat> at this point, Goliath is, and the Philistine army are on one hill. The armies of Israel are on another hill, and there's a valley in between them. And for 40 days, this giant would come out, and he would talk to the armies of Israel, and he said, I'm, this day I'm defying your God. Pretty much said, send somebody out here so that I can kill him so y'all can be our servants. He did this for 40 days, and every time he would come out, they would get afraid, and they would run back. And then there was a point in time where Jesse, David's father, said, hey, listen, I'm going to give you these Happy Meals, these lunch boxes. I want you to go and I want you to take this food to your brothers. They're on the, they're on the battle lines. And then I want, to give, want you to give this to the commander. So David shows up, and I'll make a long story short. David shows up, and when he shows up, Goliath comes out again. And as he's been doing for 40 days, he does it again. And he says something, and David's like, hold up. Y'all just, y'all, did y'all just hear what he said? You, you okay with that? Look, tell me again what, that, what he just said, because I'm like, the hairs on the back of my neck is rising. Like, you ever feel that, that anger when you just kind of feel it like right here? Did he say what I just think he said? So they repeat to him everything that he said. And I want to start reading in 1728. It said, when Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger. This is his brother. And he asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? Eliab was a hater. Why he had to say few sheep? Why couldn't he just say with the sheep? See, that's how you know a hater when you get a new job or something. They go, oh, okay, I see you with your new little job. That word little right there, they hating. You get a new car. Oh, okay, I see that little, new, that little car. Okay, I see you. You and your little fiance. Okay, you doing it. Okay. <laughs> they hating on you. you they got to put that word little in. They hating. <laughs> With whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are, how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. You got to be careful. The people that say they know you, but they really don't. Verse 29, David says, like, what did I do now? Can I not, not talk? Can I not, can I not say anything? So the message gets back to Saul. Saul hears that he calls for David. David comes to him, and this is where this message came from. In Psalm 17, 32, David responded to Saul. Look at this. He said, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. It's my turn now. Your servant will go and fight him. You don't have to be afraid anymore. I'm here. It's my turn. The enemy has been hitting you for way too long. There's things that have been transferred from generation to generation to generation in your family. Your great-grandfather was an alcoholic. Your grandfather was an alcoholic. 
Your father was an alcoholic. When are you going to step up and say, listen, it's my turn to end this generational curse now. It's my turn. No longer would I allow this to continue on from generation to generation. It's my turn to break this addiction now. It's my turn now. Psalm 33, Saul replied to David. He says, you're not able to go up against this Philistine and fight him. You got to be careful. When someone looks at an obstacle that they have not been able to overcome and puts that thing on you and say, listen, I wasn't able to do it, so I know you you ain't going to be able to do it. I wasn't able to kick that addiction, so I know you can. You got to be careful when you allow what you allow people to say to you about your inability or your ability to overcome something. Here's what I want you to know along your journey with the last few moments that I have left. Along your journey, there's three things that I want you to know. I want you to know that you were prepared for this. Whatever the obstacle that you're facing, whatever the trouble looks like, you were prepared for this. Look what happened in David's life. In 1 Samuel 17, 36 to 37, David told Saul, he says, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. I've been here before. It may not be the same obstacle. It may not be the same giant. It may not be the same trouble, but I know that I can do this one because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. I'm prepared for this. The lion and the bear were obstacles that he had faced before and God showed up in his life. You know, I was thinking that maybe it wasn't just David letting Saul know what God had did for him. Maybe there was a little bit of David reminding himself of what God did for him. He was talking to Saul, but maybe there's a little thing that he was also talking to himself. God, you delivered me from the hand of the lion. You delivered me from the hand of the bear. And I know that you can deliver me from this Philistine. You delivered me from that addiction back then. You delivered me from that trouble that I had in, in in my previous life. You restored my marriage a long time ago, and I know, God, that you can do it again right now. Sometimes you got to remind yourself of what God did for you. The thing that I noticed about David here is that nobody asked David to go out and fight this Philistine. He decided it on his own. You know, the deeper you get in your walk with Christ, God won't have to ask you to face a giant. You'll do it on your own. Because you know God is with you. God don't have to ask me, hey, listen, I need you to pray for that. No, I know what God did the last time I prayed, so I'm going to pray on my own. I'm going to do this thing on my own. Verse 38 says this. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and bronze helmet on his head. David fastened all his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. And he said to Saul, I can't go in these because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. You know, sometimes people will try to give you their clothes to face your giant. The same thing that worked for them is not going to be the same thing that worked for you. 
The same way that they kicked that addiction and that habit is not the same way that it worked for you. The same path that you took to restore your marriage from the affair that you had is not the same way. Oh, did I say that in church? I did. Be careful when you allow someone to put clothes on you to face your obstacles. Their journey is not your journey. Everybody's got their own path. Everybody's got their own journey. Remember that you were prepared for this. Second thing I want you to know is I want you to know that you have to pick up your stones. Remember Pastor Don was talking about picking up our stones in 1 Samuel 17, 40. In the NIV, it says, then he took his staff in his hand Talking about David, he chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. You know, one of the things that that they don't say is that he didn't just walk up and just grab a whole bunch of stones. No, he chose five smooth stones. That took some time. That took some intentionality. He had to be careful on the stones he picked because I believe that certain stones have certain velocity. They'll take on a different direction when the wind hits it. So he had to be intentional on how he picked his stones. And see, this this stone that I picked up, and you probably can't see it, but see, this stone is a little bit sharp around the edges. It's not a smooth one. You know, Pastor Don said, the other week, he said, you got to be careful not to use your stones, or if we don't deal with our stones, they will be the things that we throw at others. If we don't deal with our addictions, if we don't deal with our marriages, and we don't take them and put them on the altar, they'll be the things that we use to throw at other people. If we don't deal with our fear, if we don't deal with with our finances and our past and our friends and our mind and our sin, they will be the things that we throw at other people. And you notice those stones are pretty big. This one's small. You know what I was thinking about? The size of this stone is small because maybe it's not something big and it's something that I'm aware of, but maybe it's something that I've, I've tried to push down for so long to act as if it didn't exist, so that stone is not big anymore. It's small. That stone, that fear. Maybe it's a stone of abandonment. My father left me when I was a kid. It affected me for a long time, but I pushed it down so far, and it's not as big anymore. It's a small stone. And if I'm not careful and I don't deal with that stone of abandonment in my life and I don't take that stone and put it on the altar, it'll be the stone that I use to try to face my obstacle, try to face my giant. And because it's sharp around the edges, it's not going to hit my target. I'll get some other casualties that I meant for it to hit one obstacle and it'll hit somebody else. It'll affect someone else because the velocity is a little bit different. So even if it's a stone that's so small, a stone of abandonment, sometimes you got to go back and place that one on the altar too. Stones of fear. 
You got to go back and place those stones on the altar. You know, I've got, I got my stone right here. You got to use the right stones when you go up against your giant. You know, I was facing a pretty hard thing in my life recently. These stones are sharp too. I was facing something in my life. It's probably the hardest thing that I had ever had to face. And a friend of mine, Pastor Cody, and I, I feel like I use him all the time in my sermons. Because Pastor Cody is one of my best friends. We don't just work together. We really are friends. And in that moment, I was going through something. He said the Holy Spirit placed something on his heart. And he wrote this, this note to me. And he put it in my hand. And this was probably about two months ago. And I still have the note today. And I've left it in my bathroom. And I took that note. And this is his handwriting. It's not my handwriting. And I put it on this rock because this is the thing that I want to be the reminder for me. So I said, if you don't have a rock, you need to get you a rock and write something on there because this is the thing that you would have to use to fight your giant. You want to know what this rock says? It says, don't believe the lie. I was believing some things that wasn't true. I was believing some things that didn't come from God. It came from the enemy and the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit's along your journey. The Holy Spirit is with you every step of your journey if you allow him to be. Because he only comes where he's allowed. He doesn't, he's not going to come on his own. He's going to come where you allow him to. If you allow him on your journey, he will walk with you. The Holy Spirit spoke to Pastor Cody and told him to give, them, give me this because it was something that I needed to hear. I was believing the lie and I needed to hear from the voice of God saying, don't believe the lie. And every single time I begin to believe the lie again, I look at that, that note, don't believe the lie. So that lie of the enemy, that's a giant that's pretty big. But with intentionality, I've gone through the stones and I looked through abandonment and I looked through fear and I looked through marital problems and I looked through all of those different things. I looked through, I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to say this. There was a stone of molestation. I didn't want to talk about that. I pushed that stone down really far. I pushed it down because I don't want to face that thing. I had to look through that one too. To find the stone that reminds me not to believe the lie. So when I face an obstacle, it's not the stone of abandonment. It's not the stone of fear that I grab. It's the stone from the voice of God that says, don't believe the lie. I don't know what that stone looks like for you, but you have to have a word to stand on. You know, when the enemy, or when the enemy came to Jesus at the end of his 40-day fast and he started to tempt him, Jesus didn't just use anything. What did Jesus use? The word. Turn these stones into bread. You hungry, Jesus? Stone that Jesus used, he said, man's not going to live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. When the temptation arises, you have to have a stone 
David took those five smooth stones and he put them in his bag, but he didn't use them all. All he had to use was one. You may have to have five stones, but all you're going to need to use is one. Your stone is your promise from God. That's what you use to fight your giant. The last thing I want to tell you, along your journey, you need to know and need to be reminded that you are not alone. The Holy Spirit is with you. The Holy Spirit is with you on your journey. In 1 Samuel 17, 37, after David told Saul, listen, it's my turn. I'm going to go and face this giant. The end of that verse, Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Go and the Lord be with you. The Holy Spirit is with you. You're not alone. Even if everybody leaves you, even if friends walk away from you, you're not alone. Even if you're there for them in their time of need, but they got you on do not disturb when you're in need. You're not alone. You know someone who, who had that issue as well? Jesus. In John chapter 16, verse 32, Jesus is talking to the disciples. And he tells them, he says, a time is coming, and in fact has come when you will be scattered, each to your own home, he said, you're going to leave me alone. You're going to leave me by myself, yet I am not alone. My father is with me. It may feel like you're alone, but you're not alone. Your father is with you. During this time in my life, we're going to wrap up. I was talking to a friend of mine, a ministry friend of mine. He's a pastor one of my best friends in South Carolina. And God put me on his heart. He called me one day. He said, hey, man, what are you doing? And I was actually leaving our staff prayer. And he said, well, give me a call when you can. So I called him back, and then he couldn't talk. He was like, listen, let's schedule a time for tomorrow. We're going to talk tomorrow at 930. I was like, got it. 930, I called him. He said, man, you've been on my heart, man. What's going on? And I started to share with him some of the things that I've been dealing with. He said, man, you know, when I called you and told you that I needed to talk, Holy Spirit put this scripture on my, on my heart. And I already had it. He's like, I already got it in my Bible, and I was, I was ready to read it for you this morning. This was a scripture in 2 Corinthians verse one, or chapter 1, verse 3 through 5. In the message, it says, all praise to the God and Father of our Master, Jesus the Messiah, Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. Look at this. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. He, the Father, the Holy Spirit, comes alongside you when you go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings alongside someone else who is also going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. You're not alone. And the Holy Spirit will remind you 
that you're not alone because he comes and he walks beside you. And then he says, hey, listen, I know you're going through some hard times, but John is going through some hard times too. And I need you to go walk alongside him. And in the midst of your hard time and in the midst of your struggle, you've got to be strong for someone else. It was one of the hardest things that I had to do. To get up on the stage and lead worship when I was going through one of the hardest things that I ever faced in my life. To help lead people into God's presence while I'm going through. While I'm struggling, while I'm facing an obstacle, while I'm facing trouble. And I had a friend. to remind me that I wasn't alone. I had a friend to remind me. He was going through his own stuff, but he came and walked alongside me through my hard time. That's the love of the Father. God is so good to us. He knows that he is enough for us. But he still sends somebody else. You know, that's why groups are so important. That's why it's so important for you to be involved in a group. Because you can't do life by yourself no matter how hard you try. You can't just say, all I need is God, that's enough. No, it's not enough. God wants to send someone alongside you to walk through the trouble, to walk through the struggle. He wants to send somebody alongside on your journey with you, but you have to allow it. You have to do life with someone. It was the only thing that God said when he was creating this world. It was not good. It was for man to be alone. He created everything and said, man, this is so good, but wait. It's not good for my, for my son to not be in relationship. And we use that to talk about marriage a lot, but it's really just relationship. It's not good for him to be here and do life by himself. He needs somebody. It's not good for you to be alone. Thanks again for joining us this week. We pray that this message encouraged and inspired you. If you want to find out how you can be a part of Tree of Life, just go to our website, treeoflifechurch.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend.